a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to it this afternoon. We're so glad to have you with KSL News Radio. I'm Jason Perry, the director of the Hinckley Institute of Politics. I am so glad to be joined by... I'm Morgan Lyoncotti, the associate director of the Hinckley Institute. Morgan, it's good to be hosting the show with you again. It's fun to be back. It feels like we were just here. It kind of does. There's finally some chance to be on campus a little bit. Yeah. Just for so everyone knows, we are broadcasting from the Hinckley Caucus Room on campus. And there are students. They're starting to sort of amble in. They are. They're moving on campus. It's great to see people moving around here, all, of course, being socially distant, wearing their masks as they should. Anyway, good to be with you. Morgan, this is a pretty great lineup today. This is fun, and we're starting with a topic that is near and dear to our hearts. That is absolutely right. We're going to start talking about some voting, and we're so glad to welcome to the program first today, Representative Steve Handy. Are you there with us, Representative? Hello, Jason and Morgan. How are you, Jason? Uh, Stu, it's so great. It's so glad to have you. Uh, You spent all day working on the legislature yesterday, and today you get to talk about it. So thanks for doing that. Let's do it. We'll just keep talking. (laughs) That's exactly right. Well, it turns out this was the sixth uh, special session. And some of us have been saying, well, once you get to number six, is it still special? But you made it special, Representative. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's uh, exactly what Speaker Wilson said in his remarks. He said, I'm not sure (laughs) these are special anymore for a a part-time legislature. Yeah, yeah, well, we see you a lot now, but, but you you had an item on the agenda. This was House House Bill 6007, which is something that got a lot of the discussion of the legislature yesterday, and this had to do with expanding some of the voter access options during a pandemic. Do you mind taking just a moment and talk about what some of those big items were that you did to um, to help with voting? Yeah, you bet. Happy to do that. This was uh, this was uh, actually it morphed. The, the House bill wasn't heard. Doesn't matter the numbering, but it was actually the Senate bill, and I did it in conjunction with uh, Senator Wayne Wayne Harper. And uh, you know, with the workflow back and forth, we started it in the Senate and then ended it in the House. And I'm going to advance forward to say, basically, if, even after all the discussion and and the, how hard it was to get to the point, it passed out of both bodies unanimously. So. What we just did to go into the Wayback Machine a little bit to, to one of the earlier special sessions in April, this was prior in anticipation of the primary on June 30th. So COVID is hitting. Nobody knows. You know, we just don't you know, know. And the legislature, in, in consultation with the county clerks, there was, it was going to be only vote by mail, no in-person voting, and allowing a postmark which is is opposite from code, uh, on election day. So that that bill, of course, uh, you know, sunsetted on eight, on August first. So we came and said, "All right, what do we what do we need to do in anticipation of the of the current election?" And as we all know, there's been a lot of noise about the validity of vote by mail, which in Utah we understand it. We've been doing it for a lot of years. It works really well. And people have high confidence in it. So, but there was a lot of consternation. So, the basic thing, and then I'll let you ask, ask your questions. The, the the bill just really affirms vote by mail, but but it, but directs each county to have vote in person options. Each registered voter will will still re- receive a ballot, 
but there are vote in person options and provides protocols and a public information campaign by the elections office to help people understand that there will be safety protocols in place if in fact they want to vote in person. Representative Handy, it's so interesting because voting, vote by mail, and some of these things have become so politicized. And in Utah, that just doesn't seem to be the case. And this isn't a new thing. We've seen this with our election reforms throughout um, the past few years and voter ID laws and those sorts of things. What is it that makes, what what makes Utah different in that regard from some of our other states where this does become really partisan? Well, I, I, you know, that's, you, you know, you're, you're the political scientists, and I, I really don't know. Except my opinion is, is that we have been doing it collaboratively since 2012. You know, counties had options, and uh, they decided. And I, I'm from Davis County, a legislator from Davis County. I know my folks really, really well. I've been and seen. I have seen the process of the of the ballots come in, the multiple multiple secure levels that it goes through to verify the signature, to get it to get it counted. There's no fraud, and I, I've seen it myself. And you, you, it can't be hacked, but there's just a lot of crazy, crazy things about it. And it's less expensive. You don't have to go out and buy these voting machines and staff these polling places. And uh, so I, I just think we've eased our way into it, and we've just gone. We, we just have a, have a good track record. You know, speaking of the track record, I want to talk about a couple of these these things that make the November election a little different than the primary. Because, of course, in the primary, there there were no in-person voting areas. Uh, you, you have changed that. You just mentioned that just a moment ago. But uh, maybe highlight for a moment what's happening with uh, with the clerks and with the counties about uh, the postmarking, because that was a big issue here. So those of us who are going to be mailing our votes in by mail, uh, what changes or, or, or accommodations have you made to, for when we need to make sure that ballot is in and making sure it's counted on the, on, on the, the election day? Thanks, Jason. The, um, the postmark must be the day before the election. Now, my good friend, Representative Patrice Arendt, had an amendment yesterday where she wanted to have it on the day of the election because of, of, of the pandemic. And, you know, we, we had quite a discussion about it at the end of the day. I mean, it was a close, it was a close vote that it almost was adopted, but my thinking and Senator Harper's thinking was, look, there's just so many things with when was it postmarked, potential lawsuits. So just leave it the way that it was. And I know there's some confusion. It's different than the primary. But there'll be a public information campaign. Leave it the way that it was. It's postmarked the day before. Now, in, in some of our rural counties where this is interesting, where a lot of the, 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 the mail has to come in, interestingly, to Provo to be processed. So Clerks, if they see problems, and they'll, they're going to put out extra drop boxes, they're directed to put out extra drop boxes also to work with the post offices to, uh, if they have to date stamp something that comes in on that, on that Monday before, uh, you know, November 3rd, to date stamp the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the ballot. So we're trying to do everything we can to, to, to ensure. So what, is your, what are your predictions for turnout? We saw historic turnout with our primary. What do you think is going to happen with the general election? Well, I know that in my county, in Davis County, they, he, the clerk told me they processed, the Curtis Coke told me they processed about 44,000 uh, for the, the closed Republican primary, you know. But he thinks, in, you know, in that side, that, that, that were, those were most of the voters in Davis County. But he says, I think we'll have 100, 144,000. <laughs> Interesting number, huh? 144,000 in um, in the general. So it, it, it's going to be a huge t- 
turnout. I think all of us understand that. And uh, there was some, here's some other thinking. They have, the, the statute says that they have two weeks, the counties have two weeks, 14 days to process the canvas, it's called. And there was some discussion, should we extend that, should we not, and decided to, that, you know, there wasn't general consensus to extend it. Leave it where it is, 14 days. And the ballots come out 21 days uh, in advance as well. And there was some discussion to add another week, but didn't do it. It's left at 21 days. Well, we're, we've been watching these so closely, Representative. Th- thank you for your work on this. I was particularly, we'll have to talk about this another time, but even allowing a drive-through option on the day of it. seems like you've, you and the legislature, your, your right. colleagues have been working hard to, to get more options for people, which is what we want, because participation in the end is what we're looking for. Thank you so much for joining us, Representative Handy. As always, very insightful. Thanks. Thanks. Have a good time. Have an enjoyable afternoon. I'll listen in. Bye-bye. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Representative. All right, stay with us. When we come back, another legislator, Representative Steve Ellison, doing amazing work uh, on mental health in the state of Utah, something we must talk about. Come back soon. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.